Okay, I'm going to introduce our speaker now. It is Chris, and here she comes. Oh, my goodness gracious. Oh, my goodness. Isn't this fun? (laughs) Okay. Hi, everybody. My name is Chris, and I am a compulsive overeater and a vomiter. Would you join me, please? (laughs) Would you join me, please, in the third step prayer? God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Amen. Another favorite prayer of mine comes from the um, Lifeline Sampler. I don't, I'm not sure of the page. I think it's 50. And it goes like this. In the quiet of the moment, I come to you for peace. Give me the power to see the world through love-filled eyes. Help me be patient, gentle, and wise. To see beyond what seems to be. Clothe me in your beauty, this I pray. Give me the grace to do your will today. Amen. What a beautiful, beautiful bunch of people. (laughs) Somebody said, are you nervous? And I said, of course. And they're like, what? And I said, well, I ain't much, but I'm all I think about. So, (laughs) so, so God forbid I should get up here, you know, and and not be wonderful. Um, So how do you like me so far? Okay. (laughs) At at our women's retreat in uh, Orange County Women's Retreat every spring, we do this thing that one of, one of my loved ones taught me, and it was about, um, she had learned it in a speech class, I think, uh, Toastmasters or something, and um, it was about, you know, that, that, that feeling you get when you get applause and how good that feels when you get applause, and so um, what he suggested uh, they do is um, record the applause so that whenever they wanted to hear that, they could do it. And so, but if they wanted applause in the group, all they had to do was hold their hands up like this. <laughs> so in our women's retreats, we do that. We all do that. And um, the only thing is, um, you know, I tell them at the beginning, it's probably not appropriate to do that when somebody's sharing. But otherwise, if you want it, want some applause, just go ahead and do that and we'll give it to you. Because uh, it's all about kindness, isn't it? And it's all about love. And this recovery thing, it's all about, for me, it's all about grieving my losses. Um, it's all about staying, uh, keeping my butt in the chair, uh, no matter what. Um, there's a lot of things it's all about, and maybe I'll cover some of them. We'll see. There she is. I just, I just saw my teacher who <laughs> taught me this. <laughs> um, okay. Um, I came to Overeaters Anonymous in March of 1980. I was um, binging and purging 10, 20, 30 times a day, 
to the tune of about uh, later, I heard an expert in the field say that people with the kind of bulimia I had, the low-bottom bulimia I had, could put away 55,000 calories a day. So you'll hear me say that, that I'm a 55,000-calorie-a-day binge vomiter, and people will say, what? Come on. But if you've ever, you know, at a, at a, at a um, 100 calories a tablespoon and at, and at um, you know, 100 calories a slice and at 1,000 calories a bag and so on, I could go through that, you know, easily in a day. I never, I certainly didn't count them at the time, but in in retrospect, I know that that's what I was doing. So if I had been able to keep the food down that I was putting in me, I would have weighed 5,000 pounds. Um, And bless my heart, you know, it's what kept me alive till I was 35 years old. I thank God for the food. I thank God for all the things that kept me, um, that kept me going until it hurt worse to do those things than it did not to and to stand still with the pain. I recently heard somebody say that the happiest people are those who surround themselves with friends and family, don't try to keep up with the Joneses, lose themselves in daily activity, and most importantly, forgive easily. That's the happiest people. I didn't say the richest people, the most successful people, the happiest people. I count myself among the happy people today. Now, follow me around and, you know, I'll bitch and moan. Follow me, <laughs> follow me around and I'll complain about this or that once in a while. But by and large, um, I count myself among the happy. Am I doing feedback here? <laughs> um, and I, I know people in the program talk about what's God's will for us that never changes. And for me, um, God's will for me that never changes is that I live a tranquil, quiet life with peace and dignity. I knew not, and the only way I can have that is with abstinence. And I knew not about, I knew nothing about a tranquil life. I didn't know what the word meant, really. I certainly didn't know what the word serenity meant. And um, I didn't even want a, a, a tranquil, quiet life. Who would want a quiet life? What kind of an intensity junkie would want a quiet life? But my, but my inner life is quiet. And that's where I live, is in my inner life. And for the most part, it is quiet. And I, and I praise my higher power for that. Um, so I got here and in 1980. I was 35 years old, which, and next month, no, um, March 16th, one day at a time, by the grace of God, I intend to celebrate 25 years of abstinence. (laughs) What a miracle that is. What a miracle. And, um, you know, I mouth those words. Oh, we're miracles. We're just miracles. Aren't we miracles? And I say the word, but every now and then it just overtakes me the truth about what miracles we are and where we're supposed to be. Where I'm supposed to be is eating constantly, puking, drinking, acting out sexually, uh, smoking a lot of cigarettes, a lot of them. That's where I'm supposed to be. That's, you know, I'm not supposed to be standing here right now being married 41 years to my best friend, um, mother of two gorgeous sons, 
38 and 35 years old, grandmother to Alexis, Sam, Logan, and Stella Grace, my beauties, who are six years, four years, uh, 20 months, and eight months yesterday. Um, when, when I used to say that I, I didn't even, wasn't even sure I wanted to have grandchildren because it was just going to open up another can of worms for me in the worry department. Do we have any, uh, any worry addicts in the, in the crowd? Yeah. And so I thought, oh God, I just, I don't want to just open up, open up another can of worms. Well, this week, one of my grandchildren, um, was diagnosed with a developmental thing that, um, well, that's not true. He was not diagnosed. They used a word that they hadn't used yet. And he's probably going to get some occupational therapy, and he's probably going to, and he hopefully is going to be admitted to a, to a preschool um, for special kids. And he's special, let me tell you. I mean, he is awesome. He is four years old, and um, he's a spectacular human being with so much talent and such sensitivity. And... Um, and uh, I adore him. And then there's his older cousin, Alexis Christine, who was named after me, and she's six. And um, to me, um, like, she thinks that Grandma Chris hung the moon. And I know that she did. I know that she did. I mean, she walks in, and the world changes for me. She is so, so beautiful. And you know what, you guys? I wouldn't have had a snowball's chance in hell of being here to enjoy this. If I hadn't listened to you when you said hope, you had hope and believed you and started acting on that, I wouldn't have had a chance. The way I was headed, I would not certainly would not have celebrated a 41st wedding anniversary. Out of the question. Out of the question. Um, I know that I wouldn't have the kind of love and cherishing I get from my uh, grown sons that I have today because you've taught me how to respect them. They're grown men. They can solve their own problems. They don't need their mommy. <laughs> but they love their mom. And that's, you know, um, for my 60th birthday, um, October the 12th, I think we have another October the 12th are in here, don't we, who I love and adore. Uh, my, my, um, um, my children, my daughters-in-law, who are like my closest friends. Um, I'll stop. I'll, I'll, I'll back up for just a second about that. You guys taught me when I got here um, that emotions follow intentions. That whatever I intend to feel, I will probably feel. And so I have always intended all my son's lives, I've always intended to love whoever they love. Because what earthly good would it do me not to love the people my sons love? And so, but what I didn't know is that I'd end up with these, these, these soulmates. These women who um, absolutely adore me and vice versa. And so they put on a 60th birthday party for me, and it was a big red-hot deal, I'll tell you. Oh, my goodness. I thought I was, you know, uh, it felt a little bit like the Academy Awards. I, th- I thank this person and that person, and you know. Um, but my daughters, my one daughter put together um, a, a DVD of, 
she went out and she found as many people as she could get a hold of that she knew loved me. And she took her new baby, her new baby and her older boy with her, and went out and took pictures of these people holding up a sign that said something about me on something that was significant about me on them, on it, on them. And, um, and then she set that to music, to Natalie Merchants, I want to thank you, thank you. And then they stood with, I am such a precious girl. I'm the mama now, and I'm the only one that can keep this baby girl alive. I love you to the sky and back. Um, You know, on and on it went. I mean, each one was like more tender than the next, and I cried, and I cried, and I cried. My youngest son said, you are the meaning of the word love. And my oldest son said, mama's boy and proud of it. And my, my husband, who's very, very introverted, and um, spent the whole party going around taking everyone's pictures and gloating. People said his, he was so proud of me that night that he was just, you know. But his said, hey, babe, can you believe all this love? So um, that couldn't have happened. It absolutely couldn't have happened if I hadn't found my way here. I walked into my first meeting, and as I said, you told me you had hope, and I believed you. And you said, work these steps, and you said, follow a food plan. My food plan has changed a lot in in 25 years. It's mutated a lot. There are some years, uh, (laughs) there are some years that it's looked way different than it has other years. Um, I've Got here, I'm sure, well, I know I got here way thinner than I am now because I was puking nonstop. So I was about, because the only way that I can be really thin is in an irrational way. Can anybody relate to that? There's no rational way for me to wear a zero or a two or a four. Now, if I go to the gap, I can wear a six, but anywhere else that would be a ten. So, um, and you know what? And that's okay. I have a perfectly gorgeous age and lifestyle appropriate 60-year-old body. I'm never going to be a centerfold. I'm a little long in the tooth for that anyway. But, you know, I'm never going to be a cover girl. I'm never, and, and you know, at 35, when I got here, I was never going to be any of those things either. And, I, and, and therefore, I didn't want to live anymore. Because all I was, I was married 16 years and had these two gorgeous sons, they were 10 and 14, who I worried about nonstop, but all I really cared about was how much I weighed. That's all I really, truly cared about was how much I weighed. I was nothing but a body at that point, it, a body that wasn't thin enough, that wasn't young enough, that had too many wrinkles on it. That's what I was when I got here. I recently read a book, um, a novel, and in the novel the woman said, um, when I was five, I learned how to read, and a whole new world opened up for me. I got to go places I otherwise never could have gone and so on. When I was eight, 
I learned to ride a bicycle. And the world opened up even bigger for me. And when I was 12, I learned I was fat. From my father. Can anybody relate to that? Okay. And from then on, she said, from then on, and I certainly can relate to this, from that moment on, and I was much younger than 12 when I learned I was fat, and I learned it from people who said, you've had enough. I weighed 81 pounds when I was six years old. I could out-eat anybody at the table. And if I had more time, um, I'd go into the whole saga of being six years old and my sister replacing me and finding out that my father was a was my stepfather and all the things that happened to me when I was six. But I weighed 81 pounds when she was born. Food was comfort to me from as young as I can remember. We talked, someone and I talked earlier about remembering what we've eaten. It, I, could t- I came home from, from the first, it was a, a Los Angeles City School summer camp. I don't even know if they still have them anymore. And it was Point Furman, and we stayed in tents. There were three tents. And I came home from that camp, and my grandmother said, what did you do at camp? And I said, on Monday morning, we had this for breakfast, this for lunch, and this for dinner. On Tuesday, we had this for breakfast, this for lunch. And I recited every article of food that I ate for the whole week. And I was eight years old. Bless my heart. Bless my heart. I am such a precious girl, and I am the mama now, and I am the only one that can keep this baby girl alive. My mom can't do it for me. She's 80 years old. She'll be 80 in June. She's been sober a long, 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 long time. We go to a women's meeting together um, once a week, and um, she just celebrated 34 years, and she doesn't care if I tell you that. And, um, and uh, you know, she adores me. She thinks the sun, I mean, the sun rises and sets in me. I walk into a room where she is and she goes, <gasps> I mean, I see it. It's the exact same passion I feel when my sons walk into the room. Exactly the same one. But you know what? She can't keep me alive. She can't keep the food out of my mouth. She can't keep the cigarettes, the booze. She can't keep the, the, the romantic addiction that I have. I always, to this day, have this thing about being romanced and this thing about, to this day, I came in in 1980. I was 35 years old. I had acted out in pretty strange ways a number of times. And, um, and so as soon as I got abstinent and, and gave up all my other addictions one by one, uh, it was clear to me that there were certain things I could never do again and have abstinence. And uh, so I got very self-righteous about that, don't you know? I have enough dents in my soul. I can't afford anymore, and therefore I will never eat one, two, three, four, you name them. But the disease has, still has its way with me. And, you know, do any of you find this disease sort of like a leaky, leaky hose? You get one leak in the hose plugged up, and then it pops out over here, and then it pops out. Oh, I had, you know, like a veritable fountain after, um, after I got here. And so I, I was telling somebody this at lunch, I just switched genders when I got here. I didn't act out sexually in any way, but I did that same love and romance thing with people that sponsored me. Like I couldn't live without them and make it, you know, and they, I'd, I'd hear, I mean, I'm going to embarrass myself by saying this because I am heterosexual. And I would hear love songs and I'd think about my sponsors, you know, and I'd be like, oh, <laughs> You're the wind beneath my, you know, and all, 
aren't I just about the cutest thing you've ever seen? <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. Okay, got all caught up in that one. So, so I got self-righteous, and I said what I wouldn't do, and my disease said, <laughs> And um, so it's been a long, long process. And today, I don't act out in any, many, 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 many of the ways that I have in the past. And when I do, I have people who I'm accountable to. I have people who pull my covers. I have people say, you know, you've been talking about so-and-so now to the point where you don't even use a name. You just use a pronoun. <laughs> you know, that's a pretty good guess when you, talk, when you call your sponsor and you say, you know what he said now? It's a pretty good guess that you're addicted to him. Because he's not a he to your sponsor, I can promise you. Or a she, do you know? And uh, so I have people that, that, that um, and when I say pull my covers, I don't mean that are unkind to me. My favorite page is in, in for today is a number that I can't remember because I don't ever remember page numbers. But uh, the quote is, I have met wisdom and I have met kindness and kindness is better. And if we can't find kindness in Overeaters Anonymous, where then are we going to find it? So I don't believe in, thank you, <laughs> thank you for today. Um, I don't believe that it's kind to rip off somebody's warm blanket of denial. If it's working, it's working. I don't believe that it's kind to go, well, if you just, you know, I just don't believe that. I think that you listen, you go, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, I know. Well, what's worked for me is that, that, that. And if the person identifies, then they start looking at their own thing. I'm not going to, and you are a whatever. At least for those people in the room who I may have sponsored at one time or another, I hope I didn't. I hope I, I, hope I don't do that. I hope I don't, you know, badger you with that. No one's badgered me. My sponsor is still my sponsor 25 years later. We're going to have lunch uh, on Wednesday. For her 55th birthday, and she was 30 when I met her. <laughs> anyway, um, oi, um, what she said to me when I'd come to her with, a, with an issue is she'd say, I know, I know. No one in my life had ever said, I know. They'd always said, well, you shouldn't feel that way, or no, let's just do this, or you're going to be fine. You just, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and keep a stiff upper lip, you know. No, no, I know. I know you feel that way, baby girl. Now how are you going to act? You know, what's the next right thing to do? What's the next right thing to do? And if you can't do the next right thing, if you're too little to do the next right thing, I understand. And keep coming back. Um, years ago, I went to a, um, it might have been a birthday party, and there was a, um, there was a panel on the difference between um, relapse and weight gain. Were any of you there? It was probably around 1985. And there, there, became, there came quite, a, quite an unkind kind of a thing going back and forth between kind of the factions in the room. And people would say, well, you know, if you, if you gain five pounds or if you gain, you know, obviously, or whatever it was. 
And um, so the debate went back and forth. Well, then how do you tell your sponsors when they've broken their abstinence if you don't, you know, follow closely with their food plan and whatever? And so finally somebody raised their hand and said, and they were very angry, very, very angry, and said, well, what about fat serenity? And the person answered, well, those are perhaps two of the most judgmental words I've ever heard in my life. Who are we to judge another person's serenity? Who are we to judge another person's growth in this, in this fellowship? And this person went on to say <laughs> to me, weight gain, <laughs> you saw me forget, didn't you? To me, weight gain is possible. It's probably even inevitable. I have weighed five pounds less than I do now. I've weighed five pounds more. That's pretty damn good for 25 years, wouldn't you say? Maybe even 10 pounds. I don't know, because I haven't been on a scale in 25 years. And when I'm 95, I used to say when I'm 75, and then it went to 85, and now it's up to 95. Because it gets closer all the time. But when I'm 95 years old and my great-grandchildren and their buddies are hanging around me and they're saying to me, Grandma Chris, what did you do with your life? I want to be able to say that I wrote books. I haven't yet, so it, pro- it may not happen. That I um, assisted other women and their families in, in having healthier relationships that I made a difference, that I stood up for something that was important, not just that I figured out a way to stay thin my whole life. And I was going to get back to that other thing about what this woman said about her. When I was 12, I learned that I was fat. And she said forevermore after that, now she's in her 40s or something, she said from that day till this, No matter what else I've become, no matter what else I am, wonderful, warm, encouraging, bright, smart, learned, successful, what I always see my, how I always see myself is through the prism of that. Bless my heart. Bless my heart. So, I, I think I just ran out of things to say, but you know what? I am convinced I'll find some more <laughs> if, if my time isn't up. Uh, and when is my time up? How much more time up? No, 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 no. Honestly. <laughs> Honestly. Got another, uh, no, I don't. <laughs> Do I really? Do <laughs> oh, I? Okay. Okay. Did I finish telling you about my birthday party? I didn't. So... Here they came with the gifts, bearing gifts, okay? And here they came with the slideshow. My brother, my son, who's a brilliant songwriter, he and my brother and some other guys put together a band. They wrote songs for me. I had, I mean, it was just a spectacular occasion. The band was incredible. We danced our butts off. The only thing I'd rather do, so help me, the only thing I'd rather do than eat is dance. Just give me a funky beat. And I and just bring it on, okay? And I'll dance till I fall down. And so my son calls him. He's six foot four, weighs about two sixty, has a very pink face and blonde hair, 
and a reddish beard, and he calls himself the Albino Rhino. And he is a musician beyond belief, a songwriter beyond belief. Um, he also wrote a song that I wish I had with me called Sugar Junkie. You know, he used to have a, a house and a fancy car. Um, and a house, oh, he used to have a fancy car and a house right next to you. Gave it all up for a Tootsie Roll and a slice of tiramisu. <laughs> So here they were doing all of this for me, and there were, you know, there, the vast majority of the 75 people there were non-drinkers uh, in the generations older than me and the generations younger than me, but there were the family members who weren't and the spouses who weren't, and, and a couple of things got a little out of hand, and, um, oh, I just remembered a story I didn't finish. I'll try to get back to that one, too. So anyway... <laughs> As I'm getting ready to leave this party, one of my sponsors was there, and she's my actually my spiritual advisor. I'm having a walk with my higher power that's phenomenal. If anybody had told me that this would happen in my life, I wouldn't have believed them. It just keeps getting better. But anyway, I walked up to her, and I, and I, uh, I put my arms around her, and I had tears, and I said, I, and I was in all kinds of shame. My shame had been triggered. And I said, I'm so embarrassed. This is so, like, all about me. It's almost nauseating. And I wonder what people are thinking, and especially the people who aren't in the program. And And she said, please do not do this to yourself. Please don't do this to yourself. She said, the world needs to see grown men talk about their mother the way those men talk about you. The world needs to see daughters-in-law talk about their mother the way they talk about you. They need to see your husband walking around looking at you the way he's looking at you. This is so not about you, but about God and about the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. And I relaxed then and took it in and believed that for a minute. (laughs) So the story I didn't finish is when when the speaker was asked, so what about fat serenity? Did I finish that story? Okay, I didn't finish the story. And the speaker said, well, those are perhaps two of the most judgmental words I've ever heard. Who are we to judge another human being? Who are we? Uh, Do you judge? I judge. I judge. (laughs) Yeah, well... Of course, you know, talk to me when you've got 10 years. <laughs> well, yeah, but the minute I, st- <laughs> anybody ever do that? Okay. But the minute I do that, I ask myself, what are you so afraid of, baby girl? Because always when I'm judging another human being, it's because I'm afraid of something. And I'd rather be up in my head thinking about it than down in my feelings where I'm feeling something. I don't want to feel that. And so I'll just say, baby girl, what are you so, what are you, what are you afraid of? Well, I'm afraid that he's right and I do have to just eat hard boiled eggs. <laughs> or I'm afraid that she's, you know, right and I haven't worked my, a, a, a thorough enough, you name the step. Or I'm afraid that they're all going out to lunch after the meeting and they won't invite me. Or I'm, you know, whatever it is. And then I go, oh, of course you are. It's okay. Don't worry about it. You know, you can go back to listening now. So anyway, this person said, 
Too most judgmental. And then he said, as far as I'm concerned, weight gain and weight loss is inevitable in this program. It's inevitable. We're human beings, and we're going to weigh a little more, and we're going to weigh a little less, and it's inevitable. But relapse is when we say, oh, fuck it, I'm out of here. So it is my belief, and it has remained my belief for all of these years, that if your butt's in the chair, you're in recovery. Your recovery may not feel as good as it could feel. You know, it may not feel as good, quite as good as the next person's for whatever reason. But you know what? Comparison is the shortest route to insanity. (laughs) Right? The minute I compare myself to you, I'm going to be wacko. Because now, the older I get, I'm going to be older than you. Or I'm going to be younger than you. I'm going to be fatter than you or I'm going to be thinner than you. I'm going to be more wrinkled, less wrinkled, richer, this. And when I'm any of those things, I'm not at one with you. I'm in, I'm in my insanity. Compared to me, I am spectacular. <laughs> Compared to me, I don't puke 55,000 calories a day. I don't drink. I don't smoke cigarettes. I don't act out sexually. I don't have sex with anybody that I'm not married to. I don't... Um, uh, there's a there's a ton of other things that I don't do that I would not have had the ability to do or not do without this program. Another speaker I used to love used to say, don't work the program. Let the program work you. Show up. Show up and do, you know, just take the steps in order. And it all comes out in the wash. It does. Now, there's the gentle approach, which kind of, if you can tell, if you can, if, if you guessed, it's kind of my approach. <laughs> There's the gentle approach to this thing, and then there's the not-so-gentle, and then there's the sort of rigid, and then there's the very rigid, and so on. They all work, don't they? They all work. My way isn't the only way. No one's way is the only way. There's a gal in one of my meetings. She's been coming longer than I have, and she's awesome. And... uh, one day she said many years ago, she says, you know, I just thought we were, they were debating, what's that mean? It's how much? Okay. Um, 34 minutes went by that fast? Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, now I lost my train of thought. Okay. Oh, and there was a debate. There was a debate about food plans and going on kind of in the meeting. And they were going, "Well, there's no one was here, and there's no one was here, and the program's going to hell because of her." And and the little and they're all you know back and forth with it. And she says, "You know, isn't it funny?" And I love, love, love who I'm looking at as I say this. She said, "Isn't this funny that we have a program that teaches us?" that we can choose our own higher power, but there's only one way to eat. (laughs) I mean, that's got to be ridiculous, isn't it? (laughs) So I can look around this room and see the light on in people's eyes, and I don't know how it got there. I don't know what they had for breakfast and lunch, but I can see it when it's on. And I can also see it when it turns off. And, you know, and all of us have had our heart broken watching it turn off. 
and watching people say, oh, F it, I'm out of here. Some of us have seen more, than that, more of that than others. And, uh, but what I get to celebrate is today. And uh, my abstinence just for today. And my, uh, my glorious life just for today. Thanks for listening.